spoilers hey there how's it going stevie doing good uh just here in uh mishawaka indiana uh don't have a ton to do since uh today's kind of a relaxation day that's about it how you doing doing pretty well this is pappy in minnesota and our special guest today is aaron from the real paranormal activity podcast hey guys what's going on and i do feel special (laughs) So uh, before we get into the task at hand today, we're going to talk a little Blair Witch. Uh, Aaron, you just want to tell us what the Real Paranormal Activity podcast is sort of all about and what, what you do on there? Oh, yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, well, I, uh, I, me, I, I got a co-host. Um, her name's Britt. We created the, uh, the podcast for people who have experienced uh, paranormal activity and usually when you experience something like that, you don't talk about it. Uh, you usually don't tell your friends or family or anybody because it's just crazy. And you may even question your own sanity. So I decided to to, uh, to create the podcast where people can send in their stories, either write it in or call in. And we'll tell or, you know, if they write in, I'll read it off and I'll, you know, for the world to, to hear. And so far we got listeners from 121 countries. Um, listening to the show, about 60,000 plus downloads per month. Um, and we're just growing. And yeah, it looks like uh, a lot of people are writing in their, their paranormal experiences. And we get a lot of messages saying thank you. It's kind of like a form of therapy that they can actually, uh, you know, tell their story without being, uh, uh, without being judged. And that's what this whole, that's what the podcast is all about. It's a, it's a safe community. Uh, and you won't be judged. We just get your story out there. And that's all it is. That's it. Basic. Yeah, for sure. I think. Go ahead, Stevie. I was going to say, uh, oh, I guess you go ahead, Pap. I kind of lost my train of thought there. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's a really cool show. I think Stevie turned me onto it and listened to a couple episodes. And then uh, Stevie reached out and asked if he wanted to spoil a movie. So what we do here on Spoilers is we unapologetically spoil and discuss a film. And you... <laughs> requested uh the Blair Witch Project yeah man yeah yeah special reason why you chose that film or uh yeah actually it's one of uh you know if any of my listeners are listening to this show now uh they know I was a complete skeptic and I I didn't believe in the paranormal and I used to make fun of horror movies and or movies that are supposedly based on paranormal and so this one though always stuck out to me even though I didn't like horror movies It, it grabbed my attention and Whenever we get into the show, I, you know, whatever I say or, or comment about the movie, it's going to be from my perspective at the time that I saw the movie. Uh, it's, um, it's one of those movies. It's one of the first movies I've ever seen that I, th- I think may have been the very first that used that, uh, you know, the handheld camera technique to make the movie, you know, kind of like a, a reality show. Mm-hmm. Shaky cam kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Shaky cam, real life stuff, supposedly gives you that feeling that, and also it's one of the first movies I've ever seen that starts off in the beginning of the movie stating, Hey, these three film students were making a documentary about this local legend called the Blair Witch. And they went off into the woods and they were never found again. Uh, a year later, they a search party went out and found their equipment. And this is the footage that was still in the camera. And then, bam, it just goes into the movie. And, it, you know, that's the first time I've ever seen something like that. And then it goes into the shaky movie, handheld, you know, the documentary, uh, them talking, arguing with each other, doing interviews at in the uh, in the town that they were at for the Blair Witch. 
you know, they go off into the woods, real amateur stuff, but it grabbed my attention, you know, and, uh, and also it's, it, there's some very scary moments. It goes to show you, you don't need special effects. I mean, this was, yeah. I think they had a budget of $60,000 and that year worldwide, it grossed something like 248 point six million dollars mm-hmm. it's one of the most successful you know it scared the hell out of you at least yeah. it did me yeah it, it, at the time it had the guinness world record of being the most profitable movie of all time as far as like, oh yeah return on yeah i think uh i was reading up on it too i think they, they shot it in eight days mm-hmm. eight days <laughs> and it took uh, eight months to edit then on top of that but oh did so it a quick okay. turnaround yeah yeah <laughs> when this movie came out i was like eight or nine years old um, so my parents did not allow me to see it and it has such a good like marketing campaign kind of like what Aaron was saying um, a lot of people like thought it was real you know what I mean like they didn't really realize it was like fictional but the first time I saw it I was a uh, freshman in college and it absolutely scared the hell out of me you know just because it wasn't like overly suspenseful but just kind of like the idea around getting lost in the middle of the woods in Maryland and every night you know, scarier things are happening. It gets progressively worse. It was absolutely terrifying to me because I have no sense of direction whatsoever. And when it came out in 1999, you know, there's no cell phone technology or like really GPS technology. It's kind of like a compass and a map. Like if I was in that situation, I would have been screwed from the get-go. So that's what terrified me most about this movie. But uh, yeah, so the marketing campaign that they used, um, it was like one of the first viral marketing campaigns ever implemented. They debuted at the, uh, what film festival was that? The Cannon Film Festival, I think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, developed, they debuted at the Cannon Film Festival and then shortly after launched uh, BlairWitch.com. Uh, and pretty much you could go to the site, and the site's still up today, and it's in all of its 90s website <laughs> glory. But you can check that out. And uh, a lot of people didn't know if the movie was real or not. And, and <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, even the... Uh, the actors, when they were filming the movie, uh, they thought that the legend of the Blair Witch was real, uh, or like a, an actual urban legend, but it right. was completely invented for the film. Right. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Stevie, any other uh, thoughts on the marketing campaign that was used? or? Um, I was reading up that they like... Uh... Yeah, he uh, thought you guys dropped off or something. No, this never happens. Yeah, I don't know why. It's weird. Yeah, so go ahead and hang up and I'll add you again, Stevie. Okay. Well, man, it's the paranormal. Something doesn't want us to, to do the interview. Exactly, yeah. Woo! <laughs> there, man? Yeah, give him a moment. Are you there, Stevie? Yeah, I'm here, but I probably still sound like shit. So yeah, getting back to the the movie, um, even though the the viral marketing campaign generated a lot of buzz, you know, a lot of people thought it was real or didn't know what was real or it was fiction. The movie did have some mixed reviews when it first came out. It was actually nominated for a Razzie for the worst movie of the year, uh, but it had an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, Aaron, do you remember like when the movie first came out and sort of the the buzz around it and and what that was like? Yeah, I tell you honestly, I don't know what the buzz was, but it, it was in 1999 is when it came out. But I'll, I can give you my perspective on it when I first, I actually saw it accidentally. 
And <laughs> what, what I mean by that is those are my party days back then. <laughs> and there's a, there's a, there's four of us, including myself. So I had three buddies that we always went out to the clubs and, you know, to the bars on the weekends. Well, I woke up on my buddy's couch. I think his name, I think it was Chad's place at the time. We, you know, you never know when you're going to wake up where Hoover's home you're at, but it was Sunday morning, you know, hungover. And Chad just says, Hey, you know, let's go see a movie. I want to see this, uh, this, this horror movie. He says, <laughs> and you know, everyone else said, yeah. And I'm sitting there. I didn't even say anything. I was sick. You know, I was hungover and, uh, <laughs> we're all hungover. Let's go watch a movie with zero stable. Yeah. Shots. You know, like, and then, and, and, and all I wanted to do is get something to eat. But you know, I remember we hopped into the car and I was in the back seat, and it was freaking hot summertime. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was sometime in July or maybe August. And, so we get there, we go and we pay our cash. Now, I remember the place was packed. I didn't know what the movie's about. I, all I knew, you know, he says, yeah, hey, we're going to see the Blair Witch. Okay, Blair Witch it is. Didn't know nothing about it. Went in there, it was packed. And the reason why I know it's packed is because we like to sit in the middle of the of, of the theater so we could get, that's the best spot in my opinion. But we were way in the back over to the left side. You know, we couldn't even get good seats. So we're way up in the back. And it starts off. And like I said, you know, it says, hey, you know, these three students, uh, you know, went off. They went missing in the woods. A year later, we found all the equipment. And what you're about to watch is the footage that was still on the camera. And that grabbed my attention. I said, what is this? Is this a documentary or something? Like, uh, like I said, I didn't know anything about the movie. And I, you know, we're watching it. And, you know, and I thought to myself, wow, this is like a whole movie or something. And then I even thought to myself, is this, I mean, is this actually real or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I came to the conclusion now it's a movie, but it was very cleverly done. And so I also remember that's the first time I ever seen that type of format. And and also I got sick to my stomach because I got vertigo or something like that. You know, the, the camera's moving all over the place. It's jittery. It's like a motion sickness you get, you know? Right. Yeah. And again, for those of you who are listening, this is the very first time I seen a movie like this. Uh, so it's all brand new to me. And I. I think it might have been the very first type of movie like that, you know. Uh, and I, I remember they're in the town and they're, you know, they before they go into the woods to to talk about, to to uh, see these spots about the Blair Witch that murdered people and so on and so forth. They went into the town and they interviewed the locals asking them what they knew about the Blair Witch. And I remember they, you know, the first three uh, locals they interviewed they spoke about a witch and maybe another person said, yeah, there's a, there's an old lady up there and it's all witchy stuff. But then they got, I remember they got to this, this guy, the fourth one, or maybe the fifth interview. And he said, Oh, you know, I don't know much about the Blair witch, but there was a old hermit back in the forties that lived up there in the woods. And he has a house deep in the woods and he kidnapped seven children and he murdered all seven children. And what he did was, he brought them down to his basement in pairs and he made the, the, the first one uh, stand in the corner, face in the corner in the basement and he would murder the second uh, child. And he, and that child that's sitting there in the corner looking at the wall would have to listen to him murdering this other child. And then after he's done with that one, he goes and kills that the other child that's in the corner. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay, what, what's going on here? Why why did the film directors even put keep that in there? Because the first three or four interviews were all about, you know, the, this witch in the woods. And then all of a sudden, this guy is telling a story that's totally not about a witch. It's about a serial killer of children, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And that was genius because, as you guys know, if you've seen the movie, at the end, uh, I remember the ending. It just blew my mind. It's like, oh wow, holy cow! It's kind of twilighty, you know. Because Mike's, yeah, Mike's standing there in the corner, and then Heather comes down the stairs and sees him, and then drops the camera. End of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, At the end, at the end, okay. uh, Spoiler alert, of course, is what (laughs) is what the show's all about. They after their long trek through the woods and. And all this weird stuff, you know, very, uh, again, you don't need, uh, you don't need special effects to, to creep the hell out of you or to create a, an effect for the watcher. But they go through the, the, the woods for whatever, eight days, and they finally get to the house. And by then, you've probably forgotten, you as the, the viewer probably have forgotten about that ghost story, but they find the house. Okay, this old abandoned house. And they hear, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, the film students, you know, there's three of them, uh, Earlier, before they got to the house, he got kidnapped, and uh, you know they keep on hearing hearing him screaming at night, but they hear his screams in the house, so they run in there, uh, and you're you're viewing what's happening through a camera that there's a, there's two males and one female. The females carrying the camera, running after, uh, you know, following the male friend because they're hearing their missing friend scream in the house. So they run in there. And she's trying to keep up, and all of a sudden, the screaming stops, and she loses her friend. And so she's looking around. She finally goes in the basement, and she's screaming, screaming his name. I forgot his name, but screaming his name. And all of a sudden, you see him standing in the corner, staring <laughs> at the wall. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you hear this bonk or something, and she stops yelling his name. She's passed out or something. The camera drops onto its side. So you're looking at her friend standing in the corner at a side angle and there it's quiet, dead quiet. And then that's it. The the movie's over. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, Holy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And another great detail for that scene too is when they were in the upstairs, the the walls were covered in like little kids' handprints and stuff calling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super And freak. you know, as when they're you know, when their buddy that I just talked about went missing one night there at nighttime, uh the next morning uh, the female character uh, found a bag outside her tent door and she opened it up and there's what some teeth from teeth their friend hair. some yeah. hair some bloody uh, strips of cloth clothing his clothing and maybe something that looks like a tongue <laughs> and, and she freaks out and she doesn't tell you know her her other friend that's that's with her so she doesn't tell him but yeah little things like that just creeps the hell out of you you know yeah, no, for sure. And, and that film builds really nicely. Like by the time you get to that house, like you've had in and out of darkness scenes, like the characters are really worn down emotionally. Right. It's a really climactic ending that I liked. Uh, right. Stevie, what do you think about the ending? I know you had some questions. Well, I guess the biggest thing I could say about the ending was, um, do you guys think it was a witch or do you think guys think it was just like a serial killer? Well, with me, when I was watching it, I uh, I thought it was still the witch, you know. I thought I thought it was a I thought it was like a demon, you know, like a poltergeist or something that was out there mm-hmm. that was screwing with them. So I, I, me as a viewer, I was still on the Blair Witch Legend thing. Yeah, I, I right was... up right up until the ending, and that's when it all mind blown. I go, oh yeah, that guy was talking about the house and the old hermit and making the children stand in. Oh my god, and, you know, my mind just blew. It's like, wow, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with Aaron. I was on the witch thing and then I guess at the end it, it seems to be something other like supernatural, of course, right? Cuz she's right. like mind controlling him or he. I'm not sure if it's a 
hermit or a witch or what it was, but uh, yeah, well, it's one well, of the I strengths mean, of the movie is you don't see the bad guy, right? It kind of leaves your imagination to sure. wonder. Right. Well, obviously it was supernatural. It just wasn't the Blair Witch itself. It was most likely the ghost of that serial killer, that hermit. Um, yeah, they said he was, his name was Rustin Parr, a hermit that kidnapped the children back in the 1940s. That's how the story went. So, and, uh, I thought it was interesting too, how the, the Joshua character, he gets, uh, sort of marked for death when he knocks over the stones. Um, oh yeah. 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 So then he's the first to go. And then like, it's kind of like this slow build up to it. Cause like she takes his stuff and scatters it around and puts this jelly on it, uh, which, <laughs> I looked it up. It was it was KY jelly, so the same stuff they used in uh, Alien, Steve, yeah. for the rule. Yeah, makes another appearance on the podcast. But, but yeah. I thought that was a really cool build up. That and um, I really like the uh, psychological build up of the movie. Just how like you know everybody's trying to remain calm when they're lost, and then by the end of the movie, they all just want to kill each other because they're lost and they're so scared. <laughs> yep. Yep. The shoot was really intense because they're on they were on site and actually camping for that amount of time. And the uh, director, I don't know if I've mentioned the director yet, uh, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, uh, but they stifened the food uh, during the eight day shoot. So by day eight, they were getting way less food than they were getting on day one, and trying oh, to make wow. it a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more cranky. And a couple and they, of the shots, like uh, when they were sleeping in the tent and the tent rattles, that was them kind of like sneaking out there and trying to spook them. <laughs> they didn't know it was coming. Yeah, yeah, I read that. There's a lot of, uh, they improvised a lot. They were looking for impro- uh, actors that could improvise and make it seem more real. So, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Even though it was a rel- relatively short movie, it was a rather exhausting movie. Um, I mean, you felt like exhausted just like the characters were at the end of the movie. And I think that's what I liked about it for the most part. Like Aaron said, um, just the ending really does blow you away. It kind of freaks you out. It's pretty like, it's got one of those endings that's very iconic and memorable. So yeah, that's what I really enjoyed about the movie. Yeah. And you remember, you guys remember that scene where, you know, nothing's really happening yet, but they're, they're kind of lost. But then they come to this part of the woods and they're lost. They're, they're arguing, you know, they're trying to read the map. They can't figure it out. But then they come to this part of the woods and it opens up. And you see the characters stop and they go, what's going on? And then all of a sudden the camera, you know, whoever's holding the camera shoots up into the into the um, foliage of, of the trees. And you got all these like these strange stick symbols that are hanging oh, from the yeah. branches. And, you know, you don't know what it is, but it's just weird as hell because you, you already know they're deep in the woods. There's no one there. So it kind of makes the viewer wonder, well, what are those things, man? <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's very like. It's the iconic sort of scary shot of the movie too. Like it's seeing uh, right. Michael Myers mask or yep. Jason. Yep. You, as soon as you see that little like weird stick figure guy, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, like occult symbols or something evil. You know, you get this feeling that, oh man, you guys better get the hell out of there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Heather just wanted to shoot more, more footage the whole time instead of run out of there as fast as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they did a, they did a good job. Like Stevie was saying, you know, the movie starts off with them packing up their stuff at their house and they're meeting up at a house and they're all excited and they're happy. And it's just them, you know, and they get in the car and they're driving, they're rambling on, they're happy. They've got the radio on. I think maybe there's some marijuana smoking during that time. Definitely. And so you get the so you get the feeling of, you know, these are some 
you know, some people, uh, amateur filmmakers, which is what they are, and they're just doing their first documentary, and so they're so excited. But then you see the characters break down, you know, they're lost, they start yelling at each other, you know, Joshua turns up missing, they find, you know, she finds his teeth in a little bag, and... Yeah. You know, like, all the way through. Kicks the yeah. map into the creek. What yeah, kicks the map. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, you know, you, you kind of feel what the you can believe what the characters are going through, what why they're doing what they do. You know, it's just it, yeah. I thought it was really well acted, and surprisingly, almost everyone in this movie is no longer in show business. The only one is Joshua Leonard Josh. Uh, <laughs> Still wow. in movies, but wow. Wait, how do you guys? What do you see? I'm I'm looking at it from you know I'm. I'm biased because I, I, whenever I watch the movie, I just remember the first time I saw it and how I was wild. So I'm always going to like it. But I get the feeling that if, you know, like a teenager nowadays would watch it, I don't know if they would actually like it because, you know, ever since then, ever you got all the copycats. I mean, it's not like a new thing. You got Cloverfield. You remember that the the monster that's attacking New York? Mm-hmm. That's like a handheld uh, movie thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure people would really appreciate the, uh, how well done it was. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, uh, being the first, it's, it's hard to, to put yourself back in that time and see something completely different like this. And I think, yeah, right. I think people might get frustrated at a little bit of like screen, you know, motion sickness they may get, or like, there's a lot of scenes where there's like a minute plus of, you're not seeing anything. Yeah, so, it, like like they're they're hiking in the woods. There's a lot of scenes where they're just arguing, and you, yeah, you may say, "What what's going on?" I you know, it's too long or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but if you appreciate it for uh, how revolutionary it was, I think uh, I think it could connect with people today. Yeah. One one other thing we like to do is I think it's going to be three yeses, but we we keep it really simple in our rating system: yes or no. Um, I'll give it a yes uh, for all the mentions I, reasons I mentioned. Uh, revolutionary movie, still kind of scary for sure and just really cool man like a really cool concept stevie what do you think yes or no um i give it a hard yes um especially because it was like in the time where like cell phones weren't extremely prevalent and um you know there's no technology and it's just three kids who are lost deep in the woods with a compass and a map you know just trying to get out and um that ending I mean, I think it's one of the more iconic endings. I mean, I wouldn't consider this like a like a pure like a sheer like horror movie, but I think it's definitely one of the more iconic movies and that iconic endings in that genre. So uh, this is a hard yes for me. Cool. And lastly, uh, guest Aaron, uh, yes or no? Oh man, I hated it, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I'm going to say yes just because you know, back in 1999, first time I've ever seen this type of concept, I was hungover. And I was confused at what was going on, and then I ended up loving the movie and everything about it. So, yep, it's a yes. Do you have any uh, stories that you've come across on your podcast that are similar to this in any way? Or oh man, um, any ones that stick out? Man, you know, I since uh, you know, I'm been I, I'm a researcher. I don't go looking for the paranormal just because some of the stuff that I read kind of spooks the hell out of me, and I don't want to be, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be touching any of that stuff. Uh, it's fairly rare, too. There's a reason why billions of people are born and billions of people die and never experience anything paranormal. It's just very, very rare, uh, even though you hear, you know, the all the TV shows, they're all BS, basically. Um, you know, why, why in the hell would you would you videotape a show in the dark? You know, turn on the freaking lights. <laughs> You know, and of course, it's all for entertainment. I get that. But what I'm getting at, though, this uh, my, you know, the farmhouse thing 
um, happened back in 2010. So I'm in, we started the pod. We're in our second season. The podcast uh, started in uh, January, 2015 last year. And so there's a, for five years I've been researching and man, and I got a lot of stories. And of course, once the podcast started, we, we, we got a huge backlog of people's stories sent in. Um, so I'm trying to think of something that really sticks out. I mean, there's a lot of them. Well, I can tell you this, there's a lot of, um, deceased, uh, loved ones coming back after they died, maybe for three days, three days later, or or maybe a week later, they'll see, you know, they get, they wake up and then they see their loved one in the room smiling at them. And then that's the last time they see him kind of like a, a last goodbye. I get a lot of that. And of course you get, um, people that, that moved out of their old residency, their house or apartment, they move into a new apartment or house and that new thing that new area there's something uh something hanging out there i get a lot of that too um but as far as you know as far as someone being taken over and and finding themselves in the corner staring at a wall or finding themselves doing (laughs) you know finding themselves doing something that they don't know no i don't get that i get a lot of a lot of stories where people they don't know what they saw they might see something in the corner of their eye like a shadow and then they hear a door slam upstairs. You know, you get stuff like that. And uh, they, you know, they tell their stories. They, they want to tell it, but they don't tell their, you know, they're not going to tell their coworkers or anybody just because, you know, they may, um, they may seem, because uh, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But there is something to the paranormal. Just don't know what it is, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, you get a lot of that. Haunted houses, loved ones coming back. Uh, fairly recent after they get buried, after they dis- they're deceased, and and we there's a lot of medical professionals out there that wrote in too. Um, ER nurses, the graveyard shift, uh, you know the lights are down, all the patients are asleep, and man, they see some weird stuff. Uh, it scares the hell out of them too. And some of them see uh, some of them that's been in the healthcare business for whatever, 30, 40 years are about ready to retire. It doesn't bother them anymore. They just expect to see, you know, an old patient that, that died years ago, kind of walking down the hall late at night, you know? <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen all the time, but yeah, those healthcare professionals, they see some weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, yeah. the thing is they're educated, you know, they're not idiots. Um, you know, they, they know there's natural phenomenon. You got stress, you got lack of sleep, you got even mold spores uh, that can make you hallucinate, right? You know, drug, right. alcohol abuse. There's all kinds of stuff that can make you uh, see things or make you believe something that, that really isn't true. So you got to be careful. But yeah, when you get a cop or you get healthcare professionals uh, that that send in their story and they, they – uh, they, you know, it's something simple. Just like they they keep on seeing this old patient walking down the hall and then they take a different uh, another look and it's it's gone it's simple stuff like that it's not like the tvs or the movies where there's shit flying around they hear demon voices no nah, it's nothing like that it's always very subtle stuff that makes you scratch your head you know mm-hmm. that's all i can say uh yeah there's a lot of stories in my head <laughs> i suppose let me th- just a moment it's on the tip of my tongue um oh man there is one that it kind of, I can't remember. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Let's see here. Well, there's, there was one recently that he's in England and he says he didn't believe in it, but he used to work at this, uh, this, uh, gas station 
in England and, and in the gas station had a, a store, you know, kind of like a little, uh, like a quick shop or, you know, it's a convenience store type of thing. But it was in the residence of his family, the O'Reilly's. Um, and it's been in the family for, you know, whatever, 80 years, generation after generation owns this house. And it's a huge, it's, he made it sound like a mansion, but on the first floor was the store. Well, they, the family, that the, the, the generation that owned the house decided to sell it to a new to a new family that's going to take over and when they took over they started um renovating the place changing things up well when this uh, this guy his name is peter i think it was he said when he first started working there uh the employees would say hey you know just want to let you know uh mrs o'reilly is still here and you might find a pan of bread on the floor once in a while, either late at night or in the morning. And that's just her. Or, or you might feel something tap your shoulder. And that's just her. Don't worry about it. And he said, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, he needs the money. Um, he sounded pretty young. He says he just wanted uh, for the weekend to get there and for him and his friends to sit by the lake and, and have some beers. You know, he wanted some money to buy beer. So he's doing this. You know, he's sweeping the floors, you know. And sure enough, he says he keeps on finding these loaves of, of bread on the floor. And, you know, they wouldn't. And he knew that they didn't stack them up on the shelf so high that that would fall off, you know. And they said one time, he said one time he was behind the till, you know, the cash register mm -hmm. in the front of the store. And he was talking to another employee and the employee's 51 years old, he said. And as they're talking, all of a sudden they hear this pop and they see this bag of, of rice uh, move about seven feet off the shelf and onto the floor Whoa. and they just they just oh. stared at each other yeah <laughs> so yeah we get a lot of stories like that it's nothing like the movies it doesn't happen like the movies or a tv show you just see these things moving around sometimes and um yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i've never had anything paranormal that I've seen in my life, but I'm with you, man. I don't go looking for that stuff. I'm perfectly happy to keep it, yeah, <laughs> keep it that yeah. way. <laughs> my, uh, my story, I tell, I tell my story, it's two and a half hours long and it's, uh, you know, it's episode 42, yeah. but I go into great detail, but I never, I never saw anything. I never heard footsteps. I never saw apparitions. If I did, I probably had myself checked out, <laughs> but basically a lot of banging, uh, in the middle of the night, doors would be open, slammed open. I go you know, at first. I was just, you know, I never believed in paranormal. You know, the first uh, something would happen once a month, near the end of the month, three to four weeks, like clockwork. It was kind of odd, but at the time, I was just shutting the doors. And I was just scratching my head. Oh man, I obviously just forgot to lock the door, right? I mean, that has to be it. And uh, you know, and then the bangs. I couldn't. I don't know what's with the bangs. I just thought, well, man, you know, maybe some, maybe the house is about to fall apart. You know, I don't know. And then, you know, we would take trips. Me and my girlfriend, we would come back and sometimes the door would be wide open again. It's like, what the hell? But there would be no animals in the house or, you know, because we have garbage in the kitchen, right? You, you think wild animals would, like squirrels or raccoons will get in there uh, and make a mess, you know, have garbage all over the place. But no, you know, maybe maybe the door just opened a few hours before we got there. I don't know. And then one time we came back and the door is locked. Okay, fine. So we go, you know, come back from visiting our parents over the weekend we walk into the kitchen and we just stop and uh, the kitchen is huge. And the house, again, the house was made by uh, a Russian immigrant and the wood, the, the wood shop is still on the property. He built the place. Okay. Mm -hmm. And everything's handmade and there's cherry wood walls and it's a beautiful, beautiful farmhouse actually. And 
the kitchen has custom-made cabinets, and there must have been probably 30 cabinets in that place, a huge, huge, uh, huge kitchen. Well, we come in, and there had to have been like 14 cabinet doors randomly open, just wide open, and it's random, you know, no specific order. And, you know, of course, whenever this stuff happens, we look around and see if there's any forced entry or anything stolen, anything moved, but it, it was little stuff like that. Um you know, one time I was in the kitchen uh, doing the dishes after dinner, and we have these vases and uh, in the living room, and I can see it through the doorway of the kitchen. And all of a sudden, I, I see something move in my peripheral vision. I, I turn my head, and I see this vase. It's already a mid-tip, okay? So I don't know what caused it, but it tipped over on its side. Then it rolled off the shelf onto the floor, and then, it, you know, it, um, the lip of the vase um, broke off. And I was watching that thing just like in slow motion. It's like, holy cow. <laughs> I wish I would have. <laughs> the thing is, you know, you could say, you could rationally explain, well, it must have been a mouse, right? A mouse ran out the shelf, a little, you know, field mouse. Mm -hmm. It must have been a fat mouse, though, because this was a big vase. And so the mouse must have ran and jumped up onto the lip of the vase, and that's what caused it to tip. Why was the mouse running around? I don't know, but, you know, it can't be, <laughs> it can't be paranormal. It has to be a mouse or something, right? So, you know, that's the thing. I started thinking like that because it, if you, uh, you know, you got believers that will believe everything is paranormal. You know, you take a, you take a snapshot with a digital camera and you got dust all over the place. You got dust on the lens. You think it's orbs or some kind of spirit that you're seeing. Nah, nah, you got, you got dust all over that place. You know, you, you're investigating an old home. It's dusty in there or you, or you use your shirt to wipe off the lens and your shirt, you know, some of the lint or dust is on the lens, you know. Um, but you got, you got people, you know, believe in everything, but then I, I was, I'm the opposite. I was a skeptic. I, I started thinking up stuff that I couldn't prove, but it had to be a mouse. Right. I didn't know. Of course I didn't see it, but, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> so I was the opposite. But, yeah. I mean, I, as a skeptic, more towards the skeptic side as well. I, I, that's one of the things I find about your show is it still can be entertaining to hear people's stories and it does make you, you know, sure. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not going to judge them. And, you know, I, the way I think of it is I was wrong before. I didn't believe in anything paranormal. But, you know, I was wrong and I now know there's something to it. It's just pretty rare. And it's also there's a lot of bullshit out there. I say it on my show, there's a lot of BS and it's pretty easy to fake some of this stuff. So, you, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And I, I believe that uh, these people that write in their stories, I believe that they believe what they saw. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, I'll tell their story. I don't have a problem with that. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's fun stuff. Yeah, but I don't I don't go looking for this stuff because I keep on hearing of things following you back home, and pretty soon your life is kind of, you know, they they play pranks on you. <laughs> you don't know what. Yeah, you don't know what's going on. What you know, you've been at your house for five years, and you know it's normal. You know your house. You know the sounds. You know at night it cools off. You're all homes, all houses make noises. But then all of a sudden you go on a few investigations and all of a sudden your house comes alive, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, what the hell's going on? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. oh. so uh, if someone wanted to get in uh, contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, email or Twitter. Uh, email is Aaron, which is A-A-R-O-N at realparanormalactivity.com. Uh, Twitter is at RPA podcast. Um, that's, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, 
it may take a couple days because we get a lot of uh, email that comes through. But Twitter, Twitter is also a good bet. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I'll I'll talk to you. I'll talk to anybody that, that responds to me. <laughs> and uh, we are at spoilers PDCST on Twitter, and you can email us podcast spoilers at gmail dot com. Uh, Steve, you got anything else to say? Yeah, I have a question for Aaron. Actually, um, this always happened at my house. Uh, we moved uh, now, but it was an older house we used to have. Around three in the morning, about three times a week, my dog would freak out at this one corner. Like three nights a week, like horrendous, like screaming, barking his head off, jumping back and forth at this one corner. Is there a correlation between like dogs, like seeing spirits, or no? Yeah, there's a lot of people that um, that believe in that, and I I tend to think that um, yeah, animals they have uh, their senses are, are heightened just due to evolution. They have to survive out there in the wild because there's always something trying to eat them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so their hearing, for instance, their hearing is so acute. Uh, we can only hear during, uh, us humans can hear within a certain spectrum, but they can hear, I mean, uh, my dog, for instance, 30 or he's afraid of storms. And so 30 to 40 minutes, uh, he, he always runs and hides underneath the bed. And it took me a while to figure out why he was doing that, and he would stay there. And then I figured out, wow, whenever he did that, 30, 40 minutes later, a a thunderstorm would be here. And so I figured out he was hearing that and he's always been afraid of thunder and, and storms. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, he, he's nothing magical. He's just, he has these senses, you know? Uh, yeah. So as far as seeing something, maybe he's most likely hearing, but here, here's something here. Here, I always like to throw out something, uh, that could be explained by national phenomenon, but yeah, I have heard stories of pets, um, especially pets chasing something uh, around around the house, just chasing it and barking. And then all of a sudden uh, the pet would stop in a room almost as if whatever it's chasing stops in the room. You know, I hear that. But something in your wall right around 3 a.m. in the morning for the last three nights or whatever, it could be a mouse. You know, it just could be a mouse and it's routine it might be a new mouse. You know, for instance, you stayed at your home for a long time and all of a sudden, what, Monday, your dog starts doing this. Whereas right. a couple, uh, as if a couple of years ago, he never did that. So why, why is he doing that? So Monday starts up and then Tuesday he does it again. And then Thursday and then Wednesday he does it again. Um, it could be just a new, a mouse that found its way in. It's in your walls. And for whatever reason, it's not nocturnal. And he's hearing that in the walls. And, my dog does that too. Um, some uh, it, it always happens in the winter. Okay, yeah. winter time. Winter time when it gets cold out. You know these things they get in your home uh, by ingenious ways. Very small, <laughs> very small cracks in the openings. But my dog will bark at a wall sometimes in the middle of the night. He hears these mice in there. I can now, have, yeah. I, was, now I could have the Blair Witch in my apartment, and my cat would do anything. <laughs> it would just sit there and look at. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know that that's probably it. You know, if if you start if you start hearing doors slam and open by themselves, that that's probably something going on. But but hey, you know what I know? Maybe maybe your dog is seeing something in there. Well, that just used to freak me out back in the day. I'd be like, why is he barking his head off at three in the morning? <laughs> yeah, like I I always say though, if you can handle the noise, 
because most of these things are just noisy. People are scared because they don't know what's causing these noises, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can handle it, don't worry about it because it's not bothering. It's not really physically bothering you. It's not playing with you. It's whatever it's doing. It's just hanging out there. Um, and I have read stories where there are people that they don't they they live with these these things, whatever they might be. If you want to call them a ghost or a spirit, but they they like they can handle it and they kind of like it because it makes their house seem a little bit more special, you know, they, they, and then they usually give whatever it is a name, you know, just so they can identify with it. But yeah, there are some people that just don't mind having a haunted house, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Me, me, on the other hand, I don't know. I just think it's creepy. Uh, You know, you're at your most vulnerable when you're sleeping. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what the hell is that thing doing while I'm sleeping? You know, is it, is it hanging out? in the corner of my bedroom, just staring at me. I mean, what, what, why is it even there? It doesn't make any sense. Can it make decisions? Is it intelligent? I don't, you know, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Hey guys, you know, thank you very much for having me on, you know, I'm flattered. Uh, you know, I, I don't think of myself as a, um, as a interesting person, but you know, I had fun. <laughs> yeah, no, Aaron, thanks for, uh, for coming on behalf of, uh, Stevie and I, it was a, a lot of fun. I don't think we would have picked, Blair Witch otherwise but a good oh, excuse a, to talk about a, definitely yeah. a great pickup that was awesome great choice so uh, yeah thanks thanks uh, so yeah thanks again uh, his podcast is the Real Paranormal Activity Podcast um, and Joshua Hensley I also thank to, thanks to him for uh, composing our theme song this was spoilers see ya Math teacher Mark Math Paper.